Hello folks, I'm Elijah. This is the What Are You About podcast. Today we have Dakota Whiteside. We discuss everything from how he started cooking to how he got into music and things to the night that changed his life. Um, I had to use the Zoom audio for this so it's not as good as a lot of episodes are. But I hope you guys enjoy it. Let's get right into this. Hello folks, I'm Elijah. Today we have Dakota on the podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Good. So in this podcast, we discuss what folks are all about. I think a way that's putting it is a bit better is what are you passionate about? So Dakota, what are you passionate about? Um, most importantly, um, for those that know me, I'm most passionate about serving the Lord, um, following God's will. Uh, outside of that, I love cooking. I grew up in a family of cooks, and so it was... It was, there's almost no questions asked, but I learned how to cook <laughs> and then um, got into music early on in life, about eight or nine years old. And so I love, those are the, the three main things I find that I'm most passionate about. Okay. Yeah. I, so do you want to get into those a wee bit and why you're passionate about them and kind of like what led you to all those things? Yeah, certainly. Where would you like me to start? Um, just with the first one with, yeah, I, uh, okay. So, um, I grew up going to church, but not necessarily in a Christian home, if that makes sense. Uh, my yeah. grandpa, uh, as early as I can remember, he would pick me up every Sunday, take me to church. My mom at that point had not been, uh, in church. She had been before, but, uh, had kind of withdrawn from the church for a little while mm-hmm. uh, don't know the all the details there but yeah from a very young age I remember me and my grandpa going to church so I grew up in it um didn't really understand it though until I would say I was about 12 so that I'm 28 now that's about 16 years ago is when I first gave my life to the Lord from there uh there was a lot of learning and really not knowing a lot because again I didn't grow up in a house that like where my mom went to church um so I was pretty lost for the first few years and I'd attend church and then my mom finally did get into church not too long after so we began going to a church together and she got really deep into it and thankful to the Lord for that. She still is today too. Um, but I still just, I didn't understand it fully of what, what was going on. And then, um, I attribute that to how young I was. Uh, once I got to the age of about 15 or 16, I had actually lost both of my grandparents and within a year and that I would, I would, yeah, it was a rough time uh, and it spiraled me down into a pretty dark period of life where I wouldn't say that I necessarily didn't believe in God. It was more of, I was very angry at God. You know, at that, that young of an age, I didn't understand why, if God is so good, why did he let my grandparents go like die, especially the ways they died? Um, I'll spare you the details from that, but both of them, I lost my grandpa to cancer and then my grandma just had, there were some complications there. Um, and so that sent me into a period of probably about 
probably about two years or so. This was about 15, I think right before I turned 16. And I was still in high school, actually. I was finishing out high school. And I just remember being very angry. And this is the time in my life where I noticed depression starting to take hold. And it was a, it was a bad couple of years. Um, I would say ultimately what drew me back in was simply the Lord himself because I look back and I think of the bands I listened to as very heavy in the haste today, haste the day, um, demon hunter still listening to like the Christian bands. I started listening to when I got into heavy music or heavier music, I should say. Um, but it wasn't really until it, it was the last year that I was able to go to, uh, church camp with the youth group the cutoff age was i think 18 and so i was 17 and it was the last year i went um i remember being in service and to be completely honest i was there to meet girls (laughs) that is the (laughs) reason i went um i did not at that time i was still i was still a very angry individual and I did not care to learn about God or anything. So I wasn't there for any of that. I was there as a teenage boy would want to be like me girls. Uh, anyways, um, I remember one night there was a very powerful altar call happening. Uh, pastor delivered a good sermon. Looking back, it, I, it was a very good sermon. Um and I'm just waiting. We had like a little event that was happening afterwards or something where we all went out and like hung out just on the campgrounds at night. And so I was just, I was impatient. I, I, I wanted to get to that. Well, this guy comes up to me and asks if he can pray for me. And I was just, I, I don't know. I don't, you don't say no. I guess I, <laughs> I don't know. My mind, like, I'm not going to say no. Cause then he's going, well, okay. So I, I said, yeah, sure. Go ahead. Um, he started praying for me and then he starts telling me he said the reason i wanted to pray for you is i was there was a very dark cloud over your head i could tell that when you walked in just like uh okay (laughs) and uh he started this guy didn't know me from the next person but he started pointing out everything i was feeling in my heart all the anger i had all the bitterness all the the sadness and depression that i let take over and just started speaking to that and rebuking it and speaking the life of God over me. And I'm in shock the whole time because I've never told anyone what I dealt with, even those closest to me. Like I just, I'm my entire life. And it is still something to this day. The Lord is helping me with, I bottle it up. And so, yeah, I'm just in shock the entire time. And then he, uh, at that time, I was getting into playing music. Um, I had been playing guitar for a few years, and so I was really getting pretty good at that and looking to start my own band, really. But I wasn't really too influenced by any of the Christian bands I'd heard at that time. There wasn't a lot of them. This was, what was this? this was like 2010, so as I remember that, huge push of Christ score. It had only been happening for maybe a, a few years at that point. So not a lot of big name bands I had like impending doom. I wasn't quite, I didn't discovered them yet, but uh, yeah, I just wasn't liking any of that. And none of it to me at that point, Christian music hadn't quite met the 
caliber that of the secular music I was into. Um, but this guy started saying, you know, I know you're you're looking for these bands to be influenced by. And I just want to let you know, like the band that God wanted me to let you know, the band that you're wanting to start, or like that the band you're wanting to start could be that band. And I was just like, how did you know I want to start a band? <laughs> so I just, <laughs> man, just completely mind blown the entire time. And at that point, I would say right there, talking to that man and him praying over me is where God finally got a hold of my heart and heart and was like, I have a purpose for you. This is what you're going to do with your life. And, you know, after that was it, it was just such a transformative night. And so like I was, yeah, I was 17, I believe, maybe 16. I can't quite remember, but from that point on is where I really became serious about the Lord. I began studying um, and going, began going to church. So really with a purpose to learn about the Lord and to hear what the pastors were saying. And um, I would just say over time that's escalated and grown within me to where I am at the point I am today of wholeheartedly sold out for Christ. Um, so that's, a, that's a little, that's probably a little condensed, but that's essentially the backstory of how, I came to the Lord and how through my weakness, he showed me his love. And even in, even in my anger towards him, he showed mercy because to me, I, I feel like he understood what I was feeling. You know, he ultimately sent his son and watched his son die. So he is not a stranger to death. And so he understands. And so, yeah. Um, very grateful for that night because it's it's what started me to where i am today yeah thank you so much for sharing so yeah um and oh i'm sorry yeah keep going i was gonna say and so next with food uh that's a little more lighthearted <laughs> story with food i grew up really in a family of cooks um i mentioned that just earlier uh, my grandparents both were wonderful cooks. Uh, my mom could cook. And my sister, she's about 13 years older than me. And from the time I can remember, they had been teaching her to cook. So once I became of age, I was about 10 to 12, somewhere in there. That's when they decided I could learn to cook. Um, at that time, it was simple stuff like little boxed meals like hamburger helpers stuff like that nothing too serious but enough to get me exposed to the techniques involved in cooking and looking back I don't know really what it was that drew me in I, I love to eat I love food so that's already a big bonus for me is I can cook my own food um, but there were things I've come to notice that <clears throat> I really enjoyed about cooking I love the creativity I'm a creative person. I love the attention to detail that it requires. The, I guess you'd call it really the mathematical side and the, the science behind it. I've always been big on science and math in school. They were my favorite subjects. And so there was a certain science and math to cooking that ticked all the logical boxes in my head. And um, I started cooking in kitchens when I was 17 uh, my first job was Whataburger 
uh, behind the grill and not just like flipping burgers because the store I worked at, the town I lived in actually was just opening a Whataburger. And so I was literally one of the first employees there and I was still going to school. I'd go to school until 3.30. I'd immediately have to go home, change into my new uniform, go straight to work at four. I'd stay there until 11. And I worked there about a month until my mom noticed a decline in my grades because I was having to stay there so late. And she said, you know, like, I know you like this, but you're still underage. And so I don't think you need it. Your grades are slipping. I don't think you need to do this. And so she had me quit. Um, but so I was there about a month. I worked at the store that opened about three weeks. I trained in a different store before that. Okay. And the entire three weeks, I would go in and would not stop putting burgers on the grill and flipping them until we close, like until I got off at 11. So just seven hours of <laughs> just constant. Uh, so you could say I was thrown quite literally into the fire with that first job, uh, first cooking job it's at. And I didn't hate it. <laughs> That's the thing. Like I, yeah. I didn't hate it. Like it was so much fun to test how fast I could go, uh, challenge myself in that way. And so I worked that. And then my, like I said, my mom, she said, you know, I, I need you to focus on school. You need to get through school. And so I quit that job. Worked through school and finished and graduated. Um, didn't get back into cooking, at least as a job, for quite a few years. Uh, I hopped into the local Walmart at the town, worked there. It wasn't until, let's see, that was about 2010. Probably wasn't until 2015 when my wife and I got married that I got back into the kitchen work. Uh, cooking at home, uh, just not as a job. So I got back into cooking in 2015 and much like my story about how I came to the Lord, that's where I really found the passion for cooking. I was a lot older. I understood a lot more about cooking because I'd still been cooking at home and something about being able to provide people with good meals. Because at that time I was working in the university in our town. I was cooking for us cooking. We were doing three meals a day for 250 students, at least each meal. And, um, now I would cook like one meal, one meal a week. I think I, I, Thursday nights, I would cook dinner for the whole, for the campus. Um, and just seeing the, the students that would come back, just telling me like, this is really good. Like wanting more. Because it was a buffet-style setting. They could come back as many times as they wanted. And I could really tell what was a hit because they would just keep coming back. Yeah. That was a little stressful on the back end because that means I had to keep keep enough in order. But something about that, and it really tied in with my religious beliefs because, to me, I began seeing it as I'm, and this is something I say all the time to my wife, and something we've kind of held is I was ministering to the bellies and in turn, I was ministering to them like needs that they have. And to me, I could see the Lord working through me and giving me that purpose in the kitchens. And so that's when I fully dedicated to that and 
you know, once I started cooking at home a lot more, we started having friends over every, like quite often. And just something about being able to feed my friends and it's, this might be something really weird to latch on to, but I found a lot of peace when I set the food out or everyone gets their food, they sit at the table and just for like five minutes, there's just silence because they're eating. (laughs) Just something about that kind of warmed my heart with with cooking and I've loved it ever since. Um, I continued in the kitchens for about three or four years, got out, um, but still cooking at home, still loving it. And so that's really my journey with cooking. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, where we get music from, this one's a bit of an odd story because growing up, I, so I, my mom and dad, they were never together while I was, while I've been alive. Um, So I grew up with my mom and she could sing a little bit, but other than that, her side of the family there's not any musical inclination on that side so um the longest time i had no idea where it came from <laughs> so like i remember i remember going into sixth grade um looking over the different types of things i could do in middle school we could do uh, we could do band we could do sports we could do like art all, all sorts of different things and I remember I, when I was young, like in young elementary school, um, I was into sports a lot. I didn't like play in on sports teams, but I remember like every day at recess, we would go out, we'd kick a ball around, and that was a blast. As I got more into middle school, I didn't really care to join a team. And so when it came to that, I told my mom, like, I didn't want to do sports. I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I looked at all the options and I remember there was a, there was a few events at the middle school I attended. And one of those was like a band night. It's where you could go. You can meet the band director. He gathered all the incoming sixth graders and explained what band was, what they do. But then the part I remember most is in the cafeteria. We went to the cafeteria and they had stations set up all around where you could try out each instrument. Um, they, I remember they had a trumpet, they had a, I believe they had a clarinet, a saxophone, a flute, and then a percussion station. And I went through all of them, but then I did the trumpet station last. And, you know, they were teaching me how to, how to make the noise with the trumpet where you vibrate your lips into the mouthpiece. And so I sat there and just made that noise. They ran through it a couple of times and then uh, they put the trumpet up to my mouth, the mouthpiece up. And they said, they said to do that and just like blow. And literally me and one other girl were the only ones to get a sound out of the trumpet. Everyone else, they didn't, I guess they didn't do the technique right, but we were the only ones. And actually I, I, I misunderstood how hard they wanted me to blow. And so I just blew full force. And I actually made a baby cry. (laughs) (laughs) A baby started welling. And I don't know, right then and there, I was like, afterwards, I was thinking on it. And I told her, I want to do band. She's like, what? 
because at this point I'd not really shown any interest in music or anything. We had like the recorders in middle school or elementary school, but to me, those are just more annoying than anything. And so I didn't like it. Um, but she was like, are you sure? Because she was going to have to shell out a pretty penny and we weren't, we didn't have the most money growing up. And so she was, you know, she didn't want to spend this money if I would start it and then hate it. But she said there was something there that pushed her to take a chance. And so she got me my, she went to the music store. We got my trumpet and I would say the rest is history at that point. I had already started guitar. Well, yeah, I think I got my story backwards. I'm sorry. <laughs> I had been, I had, well, I had a guitar, but I didn't really do anything with it. And I yeah. think that's why she was, she had reservations because she said, well, you have this guitar and you're not doing anything with it. I just fiddled around with it for a bit. And okay. And then that brings the story. Like I started band and starting band in middle school, playing the trumpet, learning the classical side of music. Again, like with cooking, it ticked those same, I guess, mathematical boxes that I like. I don't know. There was something about it that clicked. It was like the creativity, all of that. I loved it. And so I started it with band in middle school as my first serious musical endeavor, I guess you could say. Um, and sort of became a jack of all trades for the brass section. I started on trumpet. Then we go to seventh grade and my, my band director says, I need a tuba player. You're a you're fairly decent trumpet player. You got a lot of breath um, because it takes so much more breath to play a tuba. And he asked, would you want to give it a try? And I said, yes. So he took me, I remember he took me in one of the back rooms, closed the door while the other class was still going on. And we both got tubas and he was kind of showing me some things. And so that's where I started playing tuba. And then I remember I played that through seventh and eighth grade and we get to high school. And he needs a baritone player or euphonium. And I'm like, sure, yeah, I'll do it. I was, I was very, and at that point, I was very enthusiastic about music. Um, so I switched to euphonium, but I always kind of played whatever he needed. And I think learning those new instruments is also what made me fall more in love with music period uh and on and on the side like outside of school i was still playing i had actually started playing guitar and doing things with guitar i remember my first guitar i ever got was from this guy at the church we went to at the time he was like 60 70 years old he'd been playing guitar for 50 years and dude could like as much shredding metal as there is i have never heard anyone shred like this guy and he played like just good old like southern gospel bluegrass type stuff and he could just shred and that's what he did <laughs> like it was it was so crazy to watch him play because just the expertise and knowledge he had about what he was doing you just saw that and i remember before i even started guitar i remember we were going to church there for a little bit and i would just be like we'd be in worship service we'd be going through praise and worship and i could not like take my eyes and ears off this guy i was just like what is he playing and why how is he doing that <laughs> yeah like this dude was he was one that like he had finger picks he had like three finger picks at his actual pit and he was just going to town and <laughs> i was just so in awe by that 
And I remember one night after church, I told her, I was like, I want to do that. <laughs> so she, she had actually gone to and talked to him. Um, I think he was her Sunday school teacher at the time. Okay. They had had some conversations behind my back. And one day I get to church and he calls me over and hands me a, an acoustic guitar. And this, I think it was just like, as a guitar chord book. It just had guitar chords in it. He said, uh, take this and take this book, go home, learn some of those chords. And then we'll take it from there. And I was like, I was just psyched. I was like, yes, this is awesome. <laughs> um, but then, like I said, I didn't do anything with it really for a couple of years. I, I don't, it was intimidating when I first started it six strings. And I had never, at that point, I had never done anything musical. So I had no idea what I was doing. And so it discouraged me from doing it for a few, a couple of years. And then once I started like in band, started learning how to read music and all that, it, it kind of came natural. And I remember revisiting the guitar and something clicked at that point. And so I just started learning and I didn't actually take any lessons. Uh, he was offering to give lessons and all that. But I remember I took that book. I still had that book. And I remember kind of going through it, learning some basic chords. And um, I don't quite know where I got into learning songs, but I remember hearing a song and wanting to learn it. It was an old, like, 80s rock song. And I don't know, in my mind, I knew enough to, like, learn this song. And I looked up the chords for it, and it was chords I knew. <laughs> so that was awesome. Okay. And so I started started playing along to it and i don't know it just clicked and then like i started learning more songs and more songs i got into move from like 80s rock to more like 80s metal like metallica megadeth things like that and eventually over time it's progressed to you know the people that know about desolate tomb the stuff i'm writing with that yeah. and so that's another one it's something like i never expected to get into like if I look back at my early life, but once I did, I just took off with it. And so that's, yeah, that's, that's my last, that, that's, it's probably up there with cooking. Like they're probably neck and neck as far as like, which one I'm more passionate about. Like I just love them both. Yeah. I have to ask, did you ever learn to say the, ve play the VeggieTales theme song? No, I did not. Um, so many jokes though. Cause you're talking about the tuba, <laughs> right? Yes. So many, I I think I'd like, in air quotes, played it. But yeah, yeah. So many jokes about that once when people heard I played the tuba. And it was so, <laughs> uh, I don't know. That's funny at first, but then after a while, I was like, come on, guys. Like, I'm not. <laughs> yes, and here I am being living proof. That's the least original thought ever. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be a very interesting, like, fake teaser on april fool's day though like yeah new oh yeah totally soon <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah totally yes i so with desolate tomb how was that started okay desolate tomb so i started that back in 2018 okay um i and what, how that progressed is I was in the band All of Sin. I don't, are you aware of, you know, All of Sin? I think I'm aware of it, yeah. 
Okay, so that that was a band that was started by me and actually Daniel, my current vocalist. We started that band as well back in 2013, and I was in it till about 2014. Um, I was getting married, and at the time there were some like differences within the band that you know I felt it was time to step down, uh, focus on my new marriage with my wife. Um, but then about 2016, I started writing music again. I started writing my own music and I had kind of decided at that point, this was after I'd actually jumped in with broken flesh for a few months as well, okay. back in 2015. Um, so I did a few bands within a couple of years there. And I don't know. I just, I had these ideas that I wanted to get out, but I didn't want to go through the stress of starting a whole band just to do it. Um, so I said, you know, let's, let me just try this myself. And so I was did a lot of research to find out what I would need to do. That's where I, this is actually where I also got into audio engineering. And so I learned about MIDI drums. I had a bass at the time, so I used that to record. And then I had my guitar. And then uh, my wife actually had this old, probably cheap wireless microphone that her grandfather used to preach. And so like that's what i had to work with yeah um and it actually started on an ipad just using GarageBand on an ipad i would track stuff out not seriously record anything but just get these ideas out and then um so yeah about 2017 is when i decided i'd been doing the audio engineering stuff for about a year or so practicing like learning it and all that i decided to give it a shot and record a song and put it out and where it started was with, I had started a project called Horcrux. And this is before I learned of the Horcrux from Canada. Um, but I spelled it different. I put, I used a V instead of a U. <laughs> <laughs> so I started that and actually released my first song, Spitting Nails. In 2017, actually around this time, I think just on February 16th. Okay. And my Facebook memories is where I talk, I was talking about, like, here's my first song. So literally five years, five, six years ago today, no, five years, 2017, I dropped my first song, it's Horcrux. And then from there, I went on to release the Death Curse EP with Horcrux. Now, where we get to Desolate Tomb, um, as I learned about the band Horcrux from Canada, <laughs> they're, uh, they were a pretty well-known metalcore band from Canada. And so I had went through and went through a thought process of did I want to change the name or did I want to just stick with it because I'd known other bands that shared names and they were completely different genres, like in our case, uh, Death Curse was more like blackened with it was more like blackened deathcore in a way. And they were they were straight like 2010s metalcore. So there was a complete difference there. And this was actually like a few months in the making. And I was, I, I don't know. I, I, and I also remember finding other bands under the name Horcrux. And I think what led to me changing the name is that kind of bothered me, <laughs> made me feel unoriginal. And so I, I started thinking, started contemplating names and out of nowhere, like empty tomb hit me. Well, 
there's already a band. There's already actually a brutal death metal band with the name The Empty Tomb. And so I said, oh, okay, well, I can't use that. Like, we're basically the same genre. And so I said, I think I literally went, I said, but I like that so much. Like, I like the meaning behind it. You know, they go to the tomb and it's empty. And yeah. so I think, I think I literally went to thesource.com, like the, the, the alternative, or not alternative, spinoff, like dictionary.com is a thesaurus, though. And I typed in empty and I was like, let's just see, like, what are some adjectives? And that's where I found desolate. And I was like, desolate tomb. I was like, that sounds brutal. I like it. <laughs> and uh, I, I actually, there was a couple friends that I pitched the name to. And I was like, what do you think of this? And I told them kind of my reservations with it. I was like, I don't want people to think I'm knocking off the empty tomb. Well, that's why I found out the empty tomb wasn't like a, serious project full-on serious project it was just like a one and done thing by this guy i don't know yeah. i could be totally off on that but i think that's what it was so like he wasn't doing any more music under the empty tomb so i said all right well let's just try it let's just go with it and try it out um so yeah that's where desolate tomb was born and it was rather than like a whole new concept it was just a name change from horcrux yeah, so where do you think the idea to do more blackened death cork came from? So at that time in let's say 2016, that's where I made the switch. Even before I left all of sin, um, there's a song on the Desecrate Their Graves EP called Despair. And if you listen to that, I I wrote probably 90% of that EP, but that song was that song was really the only one that was entirely me on the music. Um, you can hear those kind of blackened roots seeping in. And I think where it comes from is at that time, um, I had already heard, I would say the blackened stuff I wrote was heavily influenced by like Lorna Shore that yeah. came out with the Maleficium EP in 2013 or 2014. I remember hearing that and loving it. I love the black metal sound. I think, I think a lot of the blackened, the attraction to the blackened sound for me comes from my classical background in music, from the band, taking band in high school and some of the things we played there. I like the I like those classical melodies that I grew up on, and so I think that that's where it started. But then I heard bands like Wanna Shore incorporating this super dark melodic sound into their uh, their music, and then from there I think. That's also around the time Carnifex started do, doing more of the black and stuff. Okay. And then I want to say Black Tongue as well. I had heard Black Tongue's The Unconquerable Dark. And I don't know. I don't think I was quite into Behemoth at that point. But later I get into I found Behemoth and their early records. And that was just insane to me. Um, so I would say it started with like the classical background. And I'd always had an attraction to the darker melodies in that, like the minor keys, um, all that. And then finding those bands when it when Black and Deathcore really first started back in 2013 to 2015, I fell in love with that sound. I loved it. It was dark, but still melodic. And I could incorporate it into what I was already writing, which was real, like to me really heavy music. And so yeah. I say that's where it started. Yeah, that that's quite interesting. That makes 
a lot of sense at that point i was not aware of lorna shore at all or just like metal at all so Mm -hmm. all that all those bands are pretty new to me but yeah yeah, that definitely makes a lot of sense lyrically how do you think you've gotten inspired like you know the whole album cast from god's sight was based off of a book which i can't remember the name of at the moment but like how did that whole idea come together so uh cast from god's sight and all the things all the lyrics i've written that is probably like the odd man out and uh it's it's based on so it's based on john milton's epic poem paradise lost yeah that's it. and um i got the inspiration from my wife actually um i was looking i can't remember i had dropped i dropped spitting nails i had dropped death curse the ep and so like after desolate tomb i was brainstorming ideas on what to write on um i i've always had like a inclination towards those towards like bands that didn't necessarily write what i would call like praise and worship lyrics but they more focused on the struggles of being a human (laughs) the (laughs) things we struggle with but then um also like david's psalms in the bible how Mm -hmm. he just is like i'm in torment god (laughs) where are you yeah (laughs) he's just he's very open about his um misery and so i remember i was just I was just brainstorming and I had even started bouncing ideas off her. She is a philosophy and religion minor from college. And so I told her I wanted, told her the type of stuff I wanted to write. Um, But I think I was wanting to write just a single to drop to really take Desolate Tomb forward. I think at this time I'd already really sheepskin the little promo, but I wanted to established desolate tomb um and she had she had told me about paradise lost she had told me about i don't remember what she i don't remember what i was what idea i was bouncing off for but she had she had brought that to my attention she brought uh, paradise lost to my attention and i i said oh yeah that sounds like it'd be really cool to write a song based off of and the original idea i had was the actually the title track from that one that that lyrical content where satan is cast out of heaven and he vows his revenge against god and um i think from there like i i remember reading the first chapter and that's what the first song that song is based off of and thinking this was a really cool poem and I said, well, just just me, like, I just wanted to finish. I just wanted to read the whole thing. So I read the whole thing and thought, immediately thought, this would be really cool to write a concept album over. Um, that's something I hadn't done before. And something I, an idea I thought was really cool, because there had been some bands do it at that point. And I thought it, I thought it was just a really cool idea to do, like, a whole concept album where it's all just one massive song almost yeah and so i remember solidifying that idea of wanting to do that and so so that's where cast from god's sight came from 
And like I said, it's just, it's really kind of an odd man out as far as the lyrical content goes, because I haven't, didn't do anything like that before and kind of tossed around the idea of doing it again. But I think that one kind of, uh, used, like piqued the interest of me writing a concept album, it gave me my feel of that. And so that's, that's where that came from is inspired by my wife. She had remembered the story from college and, uh, told me about it and got me onto that. But yeah, other than that, I, especially with the new album, Scorned by Misery, it's writing about my own struggles. Um, on this new album, there's a lot of songs that really dig deep into some struggles I've had like in my life that didn't, haven't necessarily told people about. And it's about being transparent. And I, I came to the, I kind of came to my own conclusion that, you know, we're made in God's image. He knows each and every one of us. He knew us poor that the hair was on our heads. Um, and so I, in my own thinking, I do, we are creating his image. So we feel the emotions he does feel or has felt at one time. And I believe there is some understanding on his, and on, on his side of when we feel estranged from him or when we feel angry at him. And so I think, you know, there is a, there's a verse about, um, being angry and not sinning and so i think to me that that you know i think he wants to know like even when we're angry at him because confessing that openly is what begins that process of transformation and so like there's there's some songs on the new album that talk about that that talk about not only that but also some feelings like self-hatred i've had uh, there's there's some deep stories behind some of the lyrics that we don't necessarily have to get into today, but I can I probably will divulge on those at some point and explain them because reading my face value, I know a lot of people could be like, well, why are you talking about that? Like, why? <laughs> yeah. that's some pretty like there's some there's some angry lyrics on it. And it's just especially with this new album, it's more of me finally letting go of some things that I have haven't that i've held on to whether and most of well actually most of it is just kind of subconsciously it's i've buried it so deep that you know it's taken god revealing it to me for me to realize like oh i actually haven't let go of this like i think i have yeah and so this album's a way for me to really get that out and release it yeah is there any stuff in the new album that you want to get into or like explain here's what this is about i don't i don't think it's come out yet but like yeah is there any songs that you want to explain or that you think folks are gonna have the most questions about um i think the one that so so far i Nobody's come to me directly, but I have seen comments about my most recent album, our most recent single, Trail of Tears. Yeah. And this is like a dual concept song for me. So there's the history in America of the Native Americans that were subjected to some pretty cruel things at the hands of colonists. And that starts with really just the intrusion on their land. Um in 1763, there was a proclamation put out by King George, who was still technically the leader of, over the colonists. He was still their king, technically, at that point. 
And he said, you know, like, these aren't your lands. You can't cross this line. Like anything, I think is a mountain range. The, I forgot what the mountain range is. Or there's like the Mississippi River. They couldn't cross that line. He said, this is already, like, this land is already owned by others. Like, you can't trespass over this line. And that's where it started. The, the colonists really had this attitude of, well, you're not going to tell me what to do. I'm going to do it. There's gold over there on the West Coast. I need to go get it. So, yeah. So, so that's some of that part of the song is me addressing that and addressing that in a way that I don't think at least Christians in America have responded to it. I see a lot of, I don't want to say racism because it doesn't, it's not necessarily racism, but it is it's almost like a willful ignorance of what happened in that time. Yeah. We don't, we almost don't want to even acknowledge that it happened. And I've noticed that with a few things. Uh, there's a few things that we don't, we just don't want to accept that America has done, done the things it has some, some of the things it has and those things being like what I would consider inhumane. Um, so it's addressing that and addressing that from a, a Christ centered perspective of not standing for any injustice. Um, I think I, and I definitely can't don't quote me on this, but I do believe there's scripture that talks about, you know, uh, being silent when there's an injustice. And so I'd, I'd have to brush up. I didn't expect to talk about this. So I'd have to brush up and <laughs> yeah. find that scripture. But I remember reading that and that's where that idea came from, but it's also in a way, a way for me to reconcile myself with that part of me because I am half Native American myself. And uh, like I said, I didn't grow up with a father around and that's where my native heritage comes from. So, and uh, you could ask Daniel about this. There was a few years when we first met that I, there was quite a few years where I just didn't even acknowledge it. I resented it actually. I resented that part of me. And I guess writing Trail of Tears was my way of addressing that, but also, you know, when someone asks why I wrote that, I can say, like, I can say with pride that, like, you know, I am Native American, and this is what my people have been through. Um, not that I'm proud of what we came through, but just proud of that yeah. heritage. Um, and so that's that's one that I noticed so far. People have been, just with the whole progressive versus conservative thing we have going on in the u.s there's a lot of the there's a lot of the christian audience that is that leans more conservative and so i've noticed anytime there is any kind of idea given out like that like i give out in the song it's i'm automatically attacking and a lack of a better term white people i'm just like i'm <laughs> half white myself yeah like i'm not that's not the point of this song um other than that you know, I've been pretty open about what the other songs are about. Uh, the Hands That Mar is about my firsthand account of watching um, my mother be abused when I was a very young child. Mm -hmm. And so in the just... Um, there's actually a part in there. So Daniel did the vocals on the song. But there's the part in the middle where um, uh, the lyrics say... Now as you lie in your grave below, may the Lord have mercy in your soul. And I talk about alone at night, stuck in my thoughts because of you. You know, that's me 
getting my very real feelings out about it because he had he's passed away now for a few years and that's always been a struggle for me because at first I was very angry at him because he did that to my mother and then I felt shame because I didn't do anything but I mean I was three or four years old so I don't know what I would have done and it's, I guess it's more that feeling of not being able to do anything because I was so small yeah and then later um beginning to reconcile with those feelings and began to try to work towards restoration and then learning that he passed and so there's a lot of uneasiness there of well I didn't get to forget like I didn't even get to tell him I forgive him or anything and so like he I don't know if he knew this but he died knowing I resented him for what he did and so that was the hands that mars my way of getting that off my chest again releasing those things that i thought i'd let go of but through prayer and really looking within myself you know god came to reveal that i may not necessarily let go of it um scorned by misery the title track that was written at the deepest rut that i had found myself in is back in 2020 i'd actually written that song I'd written, recorded, mixed, and mastered, and released that song all within maybe two months. Mm-hmm. And it was, the, it was the first song from the new album. And I remember just feeling so low because I didn't have any musical inspiration for the first time in my life. I didn't have any inspiration as far as my walk with God. I felt like my walk with God was very disjointed, disconnected. And um, this was before COVID. So then COVID hit, and it just knocked everything down even more. And so, like, I just remember being really low and quite literally not being able to see God's face. And I've noticed that throughout my life that a lot of times my, what I would call my best ideas are born out of, like, that pain or that depression. Um, I don't like to say that it influences me because I don't like to give it power. Yeah. But... I have noticed that the best songs I write come from that. And so that's what Scorned by Misery and eventually what the whole album has come to be is like personal accounts, non-personal accounts, just of like the misery in the world. Actually, I sampled uh, Warner Herzog talking about like, you know, the world's full of misery and all that. And so like, not to give it any power or glory, but to, kind of be very raw and real that you know even if even as a walk as a follower of christ like life isn't always happy like you're going to have times of misery and depression it's just not letting those things overtake you and of course you know god gets you through those so yeah um and there's some other songs that you know i'll kind of keep under wraps for now but okay there's some other songs that as they come out, I can, I'll, I'll give more information on. Um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty dark at times, <laughs> the, the new album, <laughs> yeah. but not, not in a, what I feel is an unbiblical way. It's more yeah. just being honest and yeah. talking about the struggle, but, you know, letting my life be a testimony for how God's brought me through it. Yeah. I like, I'm, I'm from Canada myself, so I've been 
quite aware of just how Native Americans have been mistreated even in like the last century just like yeah the amount of kids that got taken away from their parents to essentially have their culture stripped from them is just insane and just like the way that the Canadian government treated them yeah it's just and- like you don't have to be a liberal or an SJW to say that was an atrocity. Yeah, for sure. And that's that's really what I'm getting more to the point with with Trail of Tears is like, you know, like you can still hold your conservative beliefs and not believe like we're attacking you personally mm, for this. Definitely. Like you can and another big part of me, my ministry is trying to replicate Christ and that he met the those people where they were at the the people that he ministered to and i found that many times you know one saying like to harp on a lot is when he said go and sin no more but even in those instances he performed the miracle first like he met them where they were yeah. at formed the miracle the healing provision whatever they needed first before he said go and sin no more and so that's really what i try to hold my my standards to as far as like myself and my walk with God, my ministry. And that's another way. That's another, that's really another point I'm trying to make with Trello Tears is like, I see you. I see the children of those ancestors today. I see that you're hurting. I see that you've been very hurt by some of the same people that claim to follow the God I do. And I just want you to know, like, he hurts with you. Like, it's not, we're not Hmm. meant to prolong that pain for you. And so, like, I'm trying to meet, like, I want to meet you where you're at, acknowledge your pain so that we can get through it and really tell you how you can get through it in the way. I didn't know you were from Canada. I thought, because you're, are you currently in Scotland? Yes, I am. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know you're from Canada. That's cool. Yeah, we moved over here six years ago. So I was 10 when we moved. So I, I, I didn't live there for like an eternity, but it was like definitely a long, well, it's like 10 years. So that's like, I definitely saw a lot of the, just how there was kind of a divide between like Native Americans and I don't want to say normal people because that, but I can't really think of a better term. And yeah. also just I- like with, school and things like in social studies or whatever they'd bring stuff like this up like how all the we'd like read a book or whatever about this or like an article and things so yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and i know i know just as much as that happened in canada but growing up in in the u.s i didn't learn anything really about canada which is kind of funny because you and (laughs) like canada and mexico are our next door neighbors so i don't know why not but but I know after is where I learned about there were just as many atrocities in Canada as there were the U.S. Definitely. Yeah, it's like, it's crazy to think that 100 years ago, this was what was considered a good idea by yeah. the authorities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and you think about it like that's really not that long ago. Like there, there, there are still there are still people alive that lived through that, 
Mm. I mean, they're they're very old. Or there's people that are alive that their parents were a part of that, or their grandparents. Yeah. So that pain is still very real, very much alive. And so that's why I kind of have to. That I, I kind of cringe a little bit when I when I hear people say like, "Well, I didn't do that. That was my ancestors." Because yes, you didn't do it, but there's still people like because even in the 1900s you had the residential schools where they were still working to strip native Americans of their culture. And so there are still people alive that live through that. And to Mm. see you, to see these, to like me to them, like to see you discredit all that by saying you weren't involved. Like while you weren't, that still to me is dismissive of like what they went through. Yeah, definitely. It's a very defensive way to to talk to talk about something like that well it's it's true that you didn't vote for the people in charge or whatever it's it's like back with what you were saying with jesus it's like i think a lot of conservative christians can make a false dichotomy between love and truth and jesus was very radically loving and truthful at the same time Mm -hmm. and they didn't have to go against each other so like he like with the woman who is caught in the act of adultery he was ridiculously loving and just showing up there getting all the people out of her face yeah and letting her know that she's forgiven and telling her to not sin anymore and he was also ridiculously truthful when it was needed but only in very specific search you situations it wasn't always called for yeah certainly yeah and that that's one of the prime examples i think of is you know he says like where are your accusers like and i saw i see this graphic on facebook from time to time that says the only one qualified to throw the stone didn't and so i think of that and like yeah he didn't he met her where she was and that's so yeah that's where i i think i to me that goes back to the commandment to love your neighbor as yourself and those that and love your lord god with all your heart to me i between all like the uh debate over which commandments to follow or whatever i think it goes back to those two because to me if you love the lord god with all your heart you're going to have a heart that wants to be in his will if you love your neighbor as yourself you're not you know like thou shalt not murder if i love my neighbors myself i'm not going to want to murder them like i'm not i'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. going to love them and so i think that love for god is calling like it can almost change your heart to be in tune with him to where like you know like some people they get stuck on like following the law and like and that leads into like legalism to where there's more focus on even the law than the lord and we even saw jesus deal with those types in the bible they were like well you can't heal on the sabbath what are you doing and you know like they i'd like to think they had a good heart they had a good they had good intentions but i feel like they were a little misplaced you know and i think i think that could be said about you know many some Christians today, uh, especially like more of the conservative Christian side. 
know, like you said, like love and truth don't have to be at odds with each other. They can coincide with each other just as, and well, the example we have for that is Jesus, as you said. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's probably a good spot for us to wrap up here. And yeah. Want to respect your time. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, no problem. I had, had a blast. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was good. Before you head off, um, what do you want prayer for and what do you want to plug? Oh, well, uh, for, so to plug, I definitely want to let everyone know that we are Desolate Tomb. We are playing audio feed this year. So oh, if you're nice. going to be out that way, stop by, say hi. Uh, as far as prayer requests go, there's some bigger decisions my wife and I have to make. And so if everyone could be in agree- agreement with us that God would have his will in these uh, decisions, that, you know, I'd appreciate that. Great. Thank you. Yeah, it was good talking to you. Yeah, I'll look forward to when the new comes album comes out. Oh yeah, it'll be it'll be soon. Uh, bringing on new members, got to teach them the material first, and then we'll be looking to get it wrapped up. And I think we're looking at it's very broad, like very vague, but the second half of this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I that could be anywhere between I think like August and Dece- December, probably even more. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Thank you again for coming on. Yeah, thank you. I'll talk to you later. If you listened all the way through that, thank you so much. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with your friends. It is tiny at the moment, so literally anything would help. And yeah, thank you for listening. I'll see you guys in the next episode.